0: Hey, this is Eddie Olchek. You're listening to Empty Bettors with Nick, Mac, and Harrison.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 92 of Empty Bedders. I'm your host, Harrison Scholl. I'm gonna to toss it across the screen to my co-host nick manella how we doing
2: doing well man how are you doing birthday boy had your birthday yesterday
1: i did have my birthday yesterday i am officially in my mid-20s i'm an old washed up hag but do you know what tomorrow is we're recording this on september 1st are you aware of what september 2nd is no I'm it'll be two years since our first episode oh, that's right launched so we are officially at that's the two nuts. year mark i know crazy wow. 92 episodes in if we didn't have covid we'd probably be at 100 by now i would probably say. But, um it's been a hell of a two-year ride so yeah happy birthday to the podcast and happy yep. birthday to myself i suppose uh now i'm gonna check in with my other co-host mac vogel how we doing buddy
3: Doing well, you know, living life out here in Milwaukee and uh, can't complain much. We got Summerfest starting up pretty soon out here, which is pretty unconventional because typically it's in um, late June, early July, Mm -hmm. Um, but just with everything, it's been pushed to September. So I'm excited, kind of gets to, gets that feeling of like an extended summer a little bit.
1: So sure. um, yeah, looking forward to the next couple of weekends. Absolutely. Yeah, it feels like it's been a month since we last recorded, but we will all be together in person in two weekends in Richmond, Virginia for a NASCAR race. Don't ask any questions about Can't why wait. or how. Yeah. So excited. Yeah, so we'll all be uh, be together and then we'll be at the Craig Laughlin Golf Charity Tournament um, on September 13th. Just as a reminder, be on the lookout for our social media pages on that day. We also want to remind you, this is the last week to pick up our summer merch designs. They're going to be taken off the store after this week. So if you haven't gotten yours now, you're going to want to pick it up. Uh, Also the Wowie Kazowie bundle that will be sold at the Craig Laughlin Golf Tournament. You can buy that online um, at our shop that you can find on our website. It'll be the top item on there. We do want to let you know we will be doing a fall merch drop. The summer one went pretty well, so we decided we're going to do a fall one. Got some solid designs. Those will be finalized uh, in the next two weeks here. So be on the lookout for some of those things. Uh, Today's episode, we are welcomed by John Schiavo. John spent some time uh, back in his heyday at rookie camp with the New York Islanders. He's from Long Island. So that's uh, obviously a dream come true for him. He now plays in the SPHL professionally. And he also plays professional professional roller hockey. He's uh, been on Team USA before, does some, uh, does some t- tournaments all around the country, talks about his experiences, you know, growing up playing hockey in Long Island and how roller hockey was such a big thing. So pretty cool that you get a guy who plays professionally both ice and roller.
2: Yeah, it was a super cool interview. And I guarantee you, like, if you don't know this guy's name, you've seen his stuff on the Internet before. So yeah. Um... I think everyone will enjoy this one.
1: Yeah. If you, uh, if you're into like all the crazy one-handed, you know, lacrosse move deeking shit, then uh, he's definitely going to be a good guy for you to watch. I know a lot of people who listen to us, listen to Pavel Barber or watch pa- Pavel Barber. John does the same thing as him. Pavel's actually shouted out John for some moves yep. in the past. So um, we really want to thank John for coming on. And for anybody who's into roller hockey, I think you're going to nerd out over this. So it's going to be a good one. Uh, We'll be dropping that in the middle of the episode, Um, but before we get to the news and I toss it off to Nick, just want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by Brackish Life. Let's take a minute to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink-to-Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink-to-Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink-to-Reef to to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today.
2: Do you guys Nick? like oysters?
1: Love, huge fan. Yeah, same. Good.
2: Raw or grilled? Raw. 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 But
3: raw, raw with a way. lemon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll go either way. But raw with a lemon in the summertime with like a nice little you know shock top. Yeah. Different. Or some hot sauce on there. I love that. Yeah. What's the like the horseradish or cocktail it comes with? I
2: can't do uh, horseradish ever I can't again either. But, but um, cocktail's good though cocktail's not bad but i do think like a good hot sauce on there is is primo um mac do you have a question of the day topic for the day for yeah us? i have
3: a quick one just like yeah. kind of a random one i was thinking about is um you guys know how there's like unwritten jersey number rules in like a lot of sports but there really doesn't seem to be in hockey like obviously football you have kind of the the like Different sections of like what position, whereas like which range of numbers, and that's not even really
1: an unwritten rule. That's just like a rule.
3: Yeah, um,
1: they did away with that, you know, this year actually. This so is so technically, that... you can do whatever you want. Now. Yeah, yeah, te- that's why. I, yeah. I feel
3: like most guys will most still guys don't though. Yeah, follow yeah. suit, and so even in baseball, I believe pitchers typically wear. I forget if it's higher numbers or lower numbers, but there's like a tendency there as well. I think well. it's
2: higher, right? Yeah, I think so. Maybe,
3: I don't know. But either way, it just dawned upon me that like hockey is just the one sport that I feel like has never had that. And it's always been like all over, all over the place.
2: I'm yeah. I mean, maybe like, like if, you, if y'all think there's a reason for that, or I thought like the only one that comes to mind is like goalies. Like goalies, Goal I feel like are either 130 or 31. Right. But and then it's you only have, like Holtby and Vasilevsky who are like 70 and uh yeah. or Holtby. what's Holtby now? 49. Something like that. There's a bunch yeah.
3: of um there's a bunch of goalies now, like newer goalies that I feel like are starting to like wreck that little like, yeah. tradition. But yeah, typically
1: like one, thirty, thirty-five or somewhere in the thirties. Here's one. I don't think and I hopefully I'm not like totally off on this. I don't think that there is a defenseman in the NHL that wears a jersey number above ninety. Sergeyev is eighty-eight. Sergeyev's That's ninety-eight. The, oh fuck, never mind. Vasilevsky's that all, eighty-eight. That all went to shit. Yeah.
2: I just feel like defensemen in general. And I think um, uh, Victor Mete was ninety-three
1: for a little bit, wasn't he? Was he? I just feel like defensemen in the NHL—they're usually like lower jersey numbers. It's yeah. like they're
2: like one through seven or they're like 45 and up. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But
3: but they have to be like a random number if it's high. It can't yeah. be like, like no defenseman is going to wear like number like 20 or like.
2: Yeah. 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 Is it weird that Dougie Hamilton is number 19?
1: Um, kind of. A little weird. Yeah, I would say. Typically it's just also... because
2: it's like one of the most, if not
1: the most sought after number in hockey usually here's one for you i believe i read this like last week i think among act amongst active players sid is the only one who has his own unique number nobody else in the league has 87
0: that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: there you go right um i think i'm pretty sure that's the stat that i read about two maybe one one or two weeks ago
2: sounds right
3: i can't think of anyone who those i can't think of any other numbers that are like that either
2: what do you think about in harrison i'm interested to hear your opinion on this versus max do you remember when josh hosang had his like brief stint in the nhl and people were losing their minds over the fact that he wore the number 66
1: yeah i do remember that
2: what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah I- I would, I lost my mind a little bit. (laughs) What you expect me to say, yeah, it's fine. Well, especially since he's never really like made some noise. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was like, you know, McDavid, Eichel, Matthews, like, okay, I I can kind of maybe sympathize with that, but yeah, I don't know. I I just doesn't feel right to me. Only one other person since, you know,
2: other than Hosang and since Mario has put on 66, you know who it is? I do not. You'll never guess it TJ Brody, but um really yep. What what, when did he I think it was his rookie year or something like that? He didn't
3: have any business doing that either.
1: (laughs) Not at all. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not really that much better, but uh
2: Mac, what do you think about that? Do you think Lemieux's number should be off limits league wide or no? No, I don't think
3: that you can I don't think that you can do that with any number except this one right above my Right shoulder, um, for ninety nine. But I I get it being like an unwritten rule. I don't think you can make another league wide like this is official. You cannot wear this number on any team because that would just didn't like, the,
2: um take wasn't the away from Gretzky, thinking about doing that for Sid's number.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were they were debating that, but I mean we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get number. like
3: I get it being kind of an unwritten thing though. Like I, I'm if I was like a. Penguins fan, I'd probably be kind of annoyed about that too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's get to some news. Uh, unfortunately, the first three things we're going to talk about today are extremely difficult subjects for us to speak about. Um, we lost a lot of good people in the hockey community over the last two weeks. Uh, first and probably foremost, Uh, Former NHL forward Jimmy Hayes has passed away at the age of 31. Uh, Hayes suited up for the Hawks, the Panthers, the Bruins, and the New Jersey Devils over seven seasons. He had 109 points in 334 games played. Uh, He was born and raised in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Obviously, he's the older brother of Flyers forward Kevin Hayes. So he spent three years at BC, won an NCAA championship with them in 2010, and then got to go play for his Bruins, his hometown team. And I I just remember that being such a huge story when that happened. And, you know, this is just such horrible news to come literally out of nowhere when, you know, there was really no warning signs for it.
1: Yeah. Just, uh, horrible. So horrible. Um, he's obviously doing his own podcast on the missing curfew uh, podcast. So they do a great job over there. Real funny guys. Uh, Our buddy Rick rowley has been on there quite a bit. It's just sad, man. It, it really is. I don't know why, but this is still kind of stung me. Like I'm still kind of like thinking like, you know, what the hell, like, you know, how's that happen? Um, could be any of us. Right. And the real sad part is, you know, he was, um, I think his kid's birthday, he was celebrating his kid's birthday the night before he passed. Brian Dumoulin was at the, um, dinner. They're real good buddies. You know, he's got two kids that are both, uh, I think like one and one that's under one. So real young, um, you know, beautiful wife and leaves all that behind. So it's really sad, man. It really is. Um, you know, you just gotta remember that you're, you're not promised anything. And so anything that you, uh, anything that you've been waiting to do or think you should do go do it. Cause you're, you're really not promised anything and he'll be sorely missed and I'm praying for the Hayes family.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'll echo that. I'm still speechless on this one, kind of like Harry said, but, um, you know, if there's any bright side, there's, there's been a lot of really good stories about this dude over the past couple of days, just people sharing good memories about him. And so, um, that's, that's really the only thing you can do at this point, but yeah, definitely thinking of the family and, uh, Wishing them the best.
2: Yeah, it's just it's so tough when something like that happens. And obviously, as we've all said, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family members. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't, you know, the only casualty. The next one uh to discuss is that the BC Junior hockey community took a huge blow um over the last week and a half after a crash took the lives of three teenage hockey players. Uh, Ronan Sharma, Caleb Reimer, and Parker Magnuson last Saturday. Uh, All three of them were members of the Delta Hockey Academy. Uh, They were killed when their vehicle struck a tree in Surrey, British Columbia. Just absolutely gut-wrenching news. Um, I think Reimer had been drafted by the Edmonton Oil Kings, and the stuff that they released about him was just you know, just seems like the nicest kid in the world. And I'm, you know, all of them really all the stuff that people were saying. And um, it just, it, it breaks your heart when stuff like this happens. And, you know, we all remember the um, of course, the locomotive airplane crash. I think that was what 2011, 2012. And then of course the humble Broncos bus crash. This is just, it's just horrible, horrible news. And, you know, it really just does break your heart.
1: Yeah. I, I, I I'm just going to echo what you said. I mean, a- at this point, there's really not much more that you can say. So, um, yeah. Um,
2: the last one to touch on and certainly not the least Roger a uh, hockey hall of fame forward uh, for the New York Rangers has passed away at the age of 80. Uh, he helped Canada win the 1972 summit series. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I implore you to please watch the movie about it. It is some of the best probably hockey history you'll ever hear about. And some of the stories in there are just incredible uh, but this man, he was, he was Mr. Rangers. He spent his entire 18 year career with the Rangers. He appeared in eight all-star games and won the bill Masterton trophy in 1976. And his number seven Jersey became the first number ever to be retired by the Rangers when it was raised to the rafters at MSG on October 14th, 1979. So we just, uh, you know, want, want to say rest easy to him and wish the best to him and his family
1: as well. For sure. Mr. Ranger. So yeah, that's uh It's a big loss. We're praying for him and his family. Um, Nick, you want to move on to the retirements?
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist announced his retirement from the NHL and professional hockey is, you know, that falls within itself. Ending his 15 year career, he released a statement saying for the last 30 years, I have devoted my life to the game of hockey and now it's time to walk away from the game. I love and begin a new chapter Uh, He put that on Instagram and Twitter. He also went on to say that the future excites me. I've met so many amazing people over the years that will help to guide and inspire me in my new journey. Uh, And the Rangers pretty much immediately announced that they're going to retire his number 30 with a ceremony during the 2021-2022 season. Two things to say. Number one, first
3: of all, legendary goalie. Doesn't matter that he never got a cup. Absolute legend. Um, Incredible career. Congrats to him. The other thing I'll say that calls back to the question of the day with the Rangers playing on retiring Hank's number, which like, obviously they should. I think it's interesting when teams retire a dude's number that happens to be a really like common one. Like, think about that. No, nobody can wear number 30 for the Rangers ever again. Like every goalie that comes through there is going to have to either like Go for the number one or go for the 35 thing or just throw a wrench in that whole formula, like we were saying, and, and just pick something random. But um, yeah, that is kind of an interesting aspect of it that probably not everybody is thinking about, but just just thought it was kind of cool.
1: No, it is. I always think about that kind of stuff too. 30 is definitely one of the more common ones. I mean, you know, if the obviously the caps will like retire eight. Right, so no one can wear eight. I, you know, it's 50, it's 50,
2: 50 at this point. They might, they <laughs> might not. We'll see. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, you know.
3: Nineteen two, though. Maybe
1: I don't know. It we'll should see. be. I'm gonna yeah. be pissed if it's yeah, not. me
2: too. Me too. That's awesome.
1: Um, yeah. Props to Hank, man. What a what a career he made hockey so much more entertaining, especially in that you know two thousand and eight to two thousand and fifteen time span. Some great battles with the Penguins. I'll never forget. One of the all-time uh, all-time moments is he, he was pissed off at the rep about something. I think someone you know, had goal – I think um, I think it was Brian Russ ran through the crease. This was in 2016, um, same year we beat him in the first round and won the first of back-to-backs. Yes, I'm talking to you, Mark. Um, but he, he pushed the net over behind the play, and we had a break – Gensel had, like, a breakaway, like, coming down the wing, and Hank just chucks the goal over, like, completely like, – why why would you do that and i remember paul steigerwald was the commentator at the time and bob Erie was like i don't know what's going on and i was just like this is absolute chaos he had some great battles the water bottle pour on sid's neck obviously that's a that's a famous moment in the scrum so i'm gonna miss battling him uh he made the penguins rangers games a lot more entertaining so i'm wishing him a great retirement
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tormented me for, you know, pretty much my entire middle of high school and then, you know, first two years in college, actually. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he's going to retire with a record of 459, 310 and 96 in 887 career NHL games. He finishes his career ready for this with a save percentage of 918 and a 243 GAA and 64 shutouts. He's the franchise leader in all of those categories for the Rangers, which we all knew, but uh, and then I, I think it's important to remind everyone that this guy did lead Sweden to an Olympic gold in 2006, and they were not expected to win that tournament at all.
1: No, they weren't. That's a very good point to to um, make. Yeah, he, he was awesome, dude. I love Hank. He's not really a guy that you can hate. I mean, despite some of the shenanigans on the ice, like I had just mentioned, you know, class act off the ice and, uh, you know, so damn good looking. I don't feel like you can make fun of him. I always forget he has a twin brother too. He does. I did not know who's that.
2: no slouch in his own. Right. You know, just like a, a legend over in the Swedish hockey league. Yeah. Nice. Is what's, his, what's his name again? Uh, Joel or Joel. I think maybe I thought it was um, can't wait for that to be wrong. It's wrong, but okay. I don't know. What, I don't know if
3: it's right. I was yeah. looking you didn't at have the to the wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quick, um, <laughs>
1: quick one before I forget. Sorry. Go. Penguins announcer Mike Lang also retired. time okay. Great. Steve Mears, when we had him on, yep. you know, about a year ago, talked about how he got him into announcing, and now Steve is the announcer for the Penguins. So a huge, happy retirement to Mike Lang, been the voice of the Penguins since the start of it all. So yeah,
2: one of the legendary voices in hockey, too. As much as I hate the yeah. Pens, you know, He's it's awesome. a hockey night in Pittsburgh. It's oh, yeah. yeah, it's iconic. Um, the best
1: catchphrases too.
2: Uh, my question to you guys is: Hank now the best goalie to play in the NHL to never win the Stanley
1: Cup? Do you have a list of names that maybe? Nope, this is from well. the hip. I mean, Carey Price comes to mind. But
3: um, but of goalies, let's let's limit it to goalies that are retired, retired. ever
1: going to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, too, Which um, I don't know. You guys brainstorm. Let me see if I can find something.
2: Well, I feel like all the main. I like, know that... go through like the big boys. So Berdur has what three? Wah has three. Um...
1: Hashik has one. Roberto Luongo and Curtis Joseph would probably be the other two.
2: Belfour has one, right, with the Stars? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Grant Fuhrer, obviously, with the Oilers.
1: Yeah, these, these three guys are probably – I mean,
2: I think it's a discussion at that point at
3: least. For sure. I think Hank and uh, – oh, honestly, yeah, Bobby Lou. Sent, uh, he sent a tweet to him or whatever that was, yeah, congrats. Should we start a two goats, no cup podcast? Hysterical. I love him, he's so
1: funny. I think Lou would, I think Lou would be right up there. I mean, in his prime, he was obviously probably considered the best goalie in the NHL, and um,
2: the Canucks made
1: him captain. Yeah, I think, in terms of please, someone fact check me on this. I think Luongo has more wins. I think. Career. He might my right.
2: Hank played for so long, though. Yeah, they both also
3: don't forget made it to a cup final. They did, and Bobby Lou
1: came just a little bit closer. But yeah, Roberto Luongo. Yes, he is fourth all time with four hundred and eighty nine wins. Lundqvist yeah. will finish at six with four hundred and fifty nine. Okay. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, they're both Who's up fifth? there. Ah, shit! You just made. A <laughs> Say okay. about it. no 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 no! it's fine i'm but uh, i don't mind um what do we got here this is great radio we got ed belfort fifth with 484 okay. flurries number three
2: beers or wins uh
1: both combined so
2: yeah <laughs> um yeah well Kudos to Hank. Great career. Uh, last retirement to touch on is that the Buffalo Sabres legendary play-by-play announcer, Rick Jenneret is to going to retire after his 51st season. That's not, you're not hearing things. That's correct. He joined the Sabres on the radio team in 1971 and is the longest tenured play-by-play announcer for a single team in NHL history. He has been a part of every one of Buffalo seasons since the club's creation, except for the initial
1: expansion year. I think Mike Lang is second behind him. I'm he almost is. certain of that. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So two great announcers. You now have zero reason to ever watch a Sabres broadcast again. Seriously, except for <laughs> except for our good buddy, Rob, Ray who, except has Rob nothing, Ray,
2: who has nothing but amazing things to say yeah. about Rick. If you want to hear that, go back and listen to that interview because uh, he's just – he's the best. I mean, yeah. and he's hysterical
1: too. Yes, he is. But, man, he's he – Rick was such a great voice for the Sabres. It actually made the broadcast, you know, somewhat enjoyable because the team's play definitely wasn't. So, uh, you know, him and Mike Lang, two goats, they'll be missed.
2: Yeah. All
1: right, let's get to the drama here. So we had an
2: offer sheet. Our first offer sheet in two years in the NHL. And I love offer sheets unless my team's involved, because then it's a nightmare scenario. (laughs) But when it's not my team involved and it's two teams that I don't particularly like all that much involved, I get a huge smile on my face. So the Carolina Hurricanes out of nowhere tendered an offer sheet to Canadians forward Yasperi Kotkaniemi. As I mentioned, that was the first time that that's been done in two years. Because two years ago, it was the Canadians offer sheeting the Hurricanes forward, Sebastian Aho, The Hurricanes eventually matched that. Uh, they had to lock him up to a five-year, $42.27 million contract. Uh, so the Canes clearly have been holding a grudge this entire time and just were biding their time and waiting. And they offer sheet uh, Kaniemi, and I think it's $6.1 million uh, for mm-hmm. a one-year deal, which is... A Triple. lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot, especially for a player that was um,
1: they're tripling his scratched
2: at a couple year. points last year.
1: He makes two point one right now. So they're tripling it. And it's so for funny one to me, year to one year. Yeah, exactly. One year. That's the
3: that's the kicker, because it's mon- like if you're Montreal, you're like, I mean, it's just one year. Like, I guess we could, but yeah. also
1: like God, Montreal could- only has two million cap room.
2: Correct. So if you're confused and you don't know why this is funny, basically what happens when a team can, you know, tender an offer sheet to another team's restricted free agent and say, we will give you this much amount of money and maybe a couple of draft picks or something like that. The team that the player is currently on can either match that deal to keep
1: that player there, or they can let him walk. Right. So now basically what's happening is now that the Canes Kings- have offered an offer sheet to Cockney Emmy for 6.1 million. Montreal has to pay Cockney Emmy 6.1 million this coming season to keep him or they let him walk. And from what I'm reading, it's you, know, you, you pay him 6.1 or you get nothing for him. Well, you get nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to let him walk. I don't think that they're going to be able to shed the salary cap uh, space that they need in time. And I don't think he's worth $6.1 million. I know it's a one year no. deal, but. And, and
2: it's not like they would get nothing. I think they would get two draft picks in compensation, but. I right. saw
3: somebody say that this is just a lose, lose for both teams. And it's just a win, win for Yasperi I mean, and he's the only one. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Like, I mean, yeah, it's funny that the Canes did that, but also like not really the smartest like business move. I'm not no, sure.
2: like well, when was they the last an... time like someone's salary tripled after having a
1: surprisingly mediocre season well the thing is they have the cap room to have some fuck you money and it's only a one-year deal so it's really it's really no all hate the hurricanes because they're just pieces of shit that don't even like (laughs) they're a bunch of jerks i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie though i kind of love this i mean this is a huge fuck you back and for those who haven't kept up as much as we have the hurricanes (laughs) changed they they made the announcement in french
2: they and tweeted they, it
1: in French. They tweeted it in French. And I hope I can find this, but they used the exact same language in their PR announcement that the Canadians used when they, they tried just to get changed out of the said, name. We yeah. have a young core here and blank, you know, cha- yeah. interchangeable name. It's excited to be part of our young core, blah, blah, blah. They don't miss the details. No, and the re- signing bonus was Sebastian Aho's number. Yeah. There was $20 signing bonus. That's literally it. They, I mean, they are trolling on level 10 right now. And um, Frank Saravelli, you know, the guy who basically broke the expansion draft uh, he said that this decision came from ownership, not management. Oh, this is not a GM move. This is the owner saying, okay, you want to play that game? Fine. And I, I think they're going to, they're going to end up getting cocky Emmy for a year. I mean, regardless, forget the salary for a second. If it's one year, it kind of doesn't matter if you have the space, who knows? I mean, you put him on that team, third line, ship bats. him at the deadline too. Ship him at the deadline. I mean, they kind of have they kind of have it made. So we'll see what happens. But from what we're seeing on Twitter, the insiders are making it sound like, you know, the Canadians are either gonna have to let like Paul Byron uh or Drew Ann or someone like that go to shed the space. And I don't think they're gonna do that.
2: No, uh, I think the other good thing that they tweeted was the Uno reverse card. <laughs> just
3: to- reverse, reverse, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, just, that was, was so, so funny. funny. Holy
1: shit. Uh, dude. Whoever runs their Twitter page needs a raise because they must get Seriously. so they must get so many engagements. It's crazy. Yeah, um, <laughs> the reverse reverse card. That's great. Uh,
2: moving on, the city of Glendale is terminating the Arizona Coyotes Gila River Arena lease after the end of this upcoming NHL season. They have played at this city-owned arena for the past 18 years. However, the sides have been operating on a year-by-year agreement since 2016, and they have been unable to find a long-term solution. I think one of two things needs to happen to save this hockey team. One, move out of Arizona go to Quebec city, go to Oklahoma city, go to where, uh, Salt Lake city, wherever the hell they uh, want. Uh, I don't
3: know. Some city that just won an NBA championship and just put themselves on the map or something like that. There, oh, there you just go. Not, just yeah. an idea.
1: So that's one
2: Two. move the team to Scottsdale.
1: Yeah. I'm not even going to act like I know what's more probable, but I think I thought I saw this and I could be so wrong, but I think Bettman made like, uh, not snarky, but he made like an indirect comment. Like, no, it's going to stay in Arizona.
2: And I think it will. And I don't personally, I don't want the coyotes to leave Arizona, but I like putting the arena in downtown Scottsdale with how up and coming and popular of an area that is instead of out in the middle of nowhere, where there's nothing to do around the arena and it's impossible to get to is going to help your team ticket sales. It's just money. Definitely. And I know that's, you know, we're asking them to essentially build a new arena there, but, so what just do it (laughs) right someone yeah if you can own a team
1: you can build another arena well it's classic billionaire yeah oh no i gotta build an arena it's gonna take two percent of my money exactly uh
2: the sabers superstar jack eichel has recently parted ways with longtime agents peter fish and peter donatelli and is now represented by pat brisson of caa hockey uh Brisson is one of the biggest agents in hockey, representing the likes of Sid, Nate McKinnon, Anze Kopitar, Patrick Kane, and John Tavares. His roster of clients also includes upcoming superstars such as Trevor Zegra, Zach Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and Cole Caulfield.
3: Uh, only thing I have to say here is I don't know how you can ever fire a guy named Peter Fish.
2: Yeah, that's just, <laughs> that's that's just awesome. like
3: yeah.
1: yeah, Peter Fish. Are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> So for whatever this is worth, Eichel was on a flight with hockey gear to Montreal last week. Uh, Take that for whatever it's worth. I also heard that he should actually be having the surgery in the next like two weeks, and he'll be on schedule to come back in December. So the fact that he's getting the surgery, even though the Sabres management has been completely against it, tells me that there's hopefully some traction here, and we should – we should be getting something in like two, the next two weeks. I would have,
2: I think so. And I think it's also worth noting, and this is just rumor mill nonsense, but I think his agent is really, really good friends with the
1: Burger Van. So he is. And that, yes, he is. And they actually went to the Players Association to talk about how bad, how poorly this has been managed by the Sabres. Yeah. Um, I think,
2: yeah. Uh, didn't Robin Lehner? Uh, we talked about that last time, expressed his displeasure as well with how the Sabres handled his medical stuff. So clearly seems like it's a cultural thing within the organization or someone's got to go. So um, let's talk some international stuff. Uh, First and foremost, not the outcome we wanted, but congrats to Canada for winning gold at the Women's World Championship last night. It was sort of a wacky ending. Um, Marie-Philippe Poulin scored on like a semi breakaway went bar down. No one saw it go in except her. Um, she's screaming that it's in, it's in the whole bench is screaming it's in. And it blatantly obviously was. And um, as soon as Canada touched the puck, they just blew the game dead and porn went off. So, uh, you know, congrats to the U S women on getting the silver. That's absolutely nothing to, to put your nose up at. I know they wanted to go out there and, you know, mop the floor with Canada, but I have to say my favorite moment of this was watching canada celebrate because blair turnbull like literally shattered her ankle during the celebration and then came back out on the ice with her gold medal like on a stretcher
1: that's fucked yeah (laughs) that's also kind of awesome
2: yeah just like after all that like then you go and like shatter i think you can see her like mouth like when she comes out and like she's the best part is she's laughing her ass off like all her teammates are like laughing their ass off and you can see her mouth like i'd like jumped on you and just shattered my ankle (laughs)
1: so yeah no congrats to them I mean you know like you said she's screaming it's in it's in I love when they scream that um but (laughs) she goes bar down like you know you kind of got like a Patrick Kane moment where nobody knows it's in except for her so that was kind of cool um but yeah yeah uh
2: the only other thing to touch on international wise is Denmark defeated Norway the other day to qualify for their first ever Olympic berth in men's ice hockey Uh, Jets forward Nikolai Ehlers helped lift them to a 2-0 victory. Uh, Denmark joined the IIHF back in 1946, and after 76 years, they're going to get their first taste of the Olympics, which is just awesome. Uh, Ehlers led the way for Denmark with nine points across three qualifying games. Uh, The other notable Danish players uh, include Freddie Anderson, who's now the goaltender in Carolina, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who plays for the Jackets, Lars Eller for the Caps, and Mikhail Bodker, who played with the Yotes, Sharks, Avs, and Sens over his NHL career.
3: I liked Bodker a lot. I know he like didn't really pan out the way a lot of people wanted Sneaky he, good in overtime. Yeah, I liked his game. I liked him the best with the Sharks, honestly. Maybe yeah. the Avs, too. He was, he was okay there, too. He
2: was – wasn't he there when the Yotes had their
1: run to the conference finals? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. He was like one of their like first or second line forwards during that run, yeah. so –
2: Uh, Well, let's move on to our chat with John Schiavo. I'm sure everyone's eager to get to that. But before we do, we just want to remind you that summer is almost over, but there's still never been a better time to get out on the water. If you're looking to finance that new boat or yacht you've always dreamed of, well, the yacht lender is a specialist in marine finance with partnerships with 15 different banks. He is the right lender for whatever vessel you may be in the market for. Backed by Trident Funding with over 25 years as an industry leader, the Yacht Lender has the expertise and know-how to finance the boat of your dreams. Don't wait. Apply today at YachtLender.com or check him out on Instagram at YachtLender to see others who have already gotten out on the water. We're going to toss it on to John right now.
1: And we are now very fortunate to be joined by John Schiavo. John, we really appreciate you joining the Empty Betters podcast and uh, appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
1: So I want you to know, and I know we just said this before the uh, the episode started. So I found your page through Instagram, some crazy, real one-handed like 720 Tony Hawk spin backhander, um, and I ended up clicking on your page. And I've been addicted to your content ever since. Your YouTube channel is great. Um, your Instagram profile is great. And then I obviously saw that you have your own, uh, your training page as well. So. Uh, Before we get into you know how you got into hockey and you know your whole story, how is how did you end up getting your own like training brand and is that going well for you? I know you're kind of traveling all over the country right now.
0: Yeah, it's actually really good. The training side of it um, started because my own page was kind of always watered down with me playing, Mm -hmm. and something besides me playing pro roller and pro ice is is my teaching and coaching, and I love teaching and coaching all summer long. I do a lot of Zoom sessions and stick handling classes through the phone, like from afar, because I'm always traveling. Uh, So that's kind of like how the training page came about. And in the beginning, it was a lot of clients that I had in New York and a lot of buddies that wanted to see more of the drills and stick handling stuff like that. So I really focused on just making two different pages for two kind of different looks. And it's actually worked out pretty good. It keeps me a little extra busy having that extra page and making some extra content, but it's for the best
1: yeah, it looks like it's a big hit, and you're obviously a very busy man. It's, uh, I'm glad that we actually got to get you for a little bit here. I know you've been traveling a lot, so uh, let's take it back from the start. You know, I know you're from Long Island. That's a place that Nick and I are extremely familiar with. A lot of listeners from there, so uh, we have our love and appreciation for the New Yorkers. How did you get into hockey? What you know, where'd you play growing up? Let's uh, get the whole background story.
0: Yeah, so I'm born in '94. And that's when the Rangers won the cup. My dad was a diehard Ranger fan. I'm pretty sure like yeah. when I was uh, born, the guy giving birth to me was wearing a Rangers hoodie. So it, <laughs> it was straight out of the gate, just hockey, hockey, hockey. But I got on, on wheels and on ice when I was around three. My dad was just you know, taking me to the rink. My dad played locally, uh, rec league and things like that. He always played his whole life. So got me into it early. I mean, all the pictures I see, as far as I can remember, like I always had a mini stick in my hand, a real stick in my hand. Um, So I was hooked. But yeah, on Long Island, it was a good culture for roller hockey. So I was lucky that uh, being around my dad and then starting to play when I was really young, that was really how it all started. Just just my family uh, getting me to the rink and teaching me the ways.
1: So when you were growing up, did you were you playing both ice and roller in like organized leagues, or is it something where you kind of went into like different phases as you got older? How'd that work?
0: It was actually totally different phases. Funny you just brought that up. I talked to my dad about it recently, and we were laughing because at one point, like I didn't want to play. I was so young, but I was just like you know burnt out. I yeah. you play so much like whether it's rec league, I wasn't really playing travel much, um, especially at the young young ages. But I actually always played goalie and player i loved goalie i loved being the goalie i think it was like because of the pads and like just being in the net playing the whole game and then it was a certain age where like i was just stick handling off the rink and shooting so many pucks all the coaches were like hey you gotta you gotta play like you're not a goalie (laughs) and uh yeah so i mean there was a couple months where you just get sick of it but i always played like rec league on long island uh mostly roller and that was my passion still is um, and as I got older, I started to play a little bit of ice and never triple a, never even like double a, I played single a, I would miss ice for roller. Cause I loved roller so much more at the time. And then it was around like 14, 15, I had an opportunity with some really good teams and still wasn't triple a, but then that's when I was like, okay, if I want to take ice to the next level, I got to start really taking it serious. But I always played roller the whole time. So why did cor- you
2: tend to go? Why, why did you prefer roller over ice?
0: I don't know what, like, the real reason was. It was just, like, I always had so much fun. And still to this day, I feel like when I strap on my roller skates, it's like I can skate better than I can walk. Like, that was just, like, always my vibe. When I got to the ice, it was always, like, training a lot, really focused on all these extra coaching things and extra lessons where, like, roller, I would just go out there and practice as hard as I could with any age group. Like, the age groups didn't matter to me. Um, and I felt like I was as best I could be every year growing up, growing up, growing up. Where ice, it was like, if you're not playing AAA, you're like out, which I, I didn't believe that. And now looking back, like I'm blessed with the career I've had. I'm blessed the places that ice hockey has brought me. Where like I never played one AAA game. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. it's a pretty different uh, route than most. So, and I think rollers given me everything that I have, like skill wise and development wise.
1: It's funny you say that because, I mean, obviously I never played at the level of competition you did, but I played roller before I played ice and I've always loved roller more. I I don't know if maybe because like I played on asphalt outside as a kid, but I've recently moved into tiles. I just did my first season on tiles indoor um, and then ironically enough found your page at the same time. So now I'm like addicted to just going to the tiles rink all the time. Um, but it does kind of feel, I don't know if it's like more free flowing, would you say it's like maybe a less structured game? You get a little more creativity,
0: definitely more creativity. Um, and especially if you're not playing like a serious season and like you're playing house league or just with your buddies and stuff, like you could tell it's like intense, like everyone still goes really hard, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like more creative and more fun. That's how I always felt. It was like going to the roller rink was always fun. Sometimes you go to the ice rink on a practice day on a Tuesday. And it's like, oh man, we're gonna get bag skated. Like that was never the case. Like we might have got bag skated a thousand times in my lifetime in roller hockey, but I was smiling the whole time. Like it was a diff- it's a different feeling at the rink. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm glad well, you got on the tile because that's awesome. Like I, am so lucky that that's how I grew up. And I played a ton in my street, a ton in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, we were so lucky on Long Island to have so many good tile rinks. I moved to Minnesota. I spent a lot of time in Minnesota now and New York. Um, In my rink in New York, I have a tiled backyard little training spot that I made a a year ago. But in Minnesota, there's no such thing as tile. No one's ever skated on it. So, like, it kind of takes me all the way back,
1: like,
0: learning, you know, how it is on the smooth pavement again, and it's totally different. So, it's cool that you had the opportunity, and now you love tile, too, because I explained to these guys, like, I can't wait to bring tile to Minnesota, like, you love it's it awesome. now like you're gonna love it even more
1: it's funny you say that because i and i said this to the guys on, after our first game i literally just started playing on tiles in april and i was like mentally so effed up like i was slipping i was like this is not asphalt the wheels don't grip i literally i, I the way i said it is it felt like someone sprayed like you know epoxy or something like a coating on top of cement and i couldn't stand and by the end obviously i was addicted and it's a lot of fun but um, we're, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of tile rinks down here in like the Baltimore, DC area. Nope. The one, the league I'm in is a places a complete dump. They're gonna get a lawsuit for like heat exhaustion or some shit. Oh, but geez. yeah, it's horrible. So off the cup, Nick's in Long Island all the time. I have to come up and check out your rink or something. But um, yeah, you yeah.
3: have
2: to. I do just, I leave my stick and skates in the car just in case, but uh, no, it's Harry, it's funny. You were talking about like spraying, like the tile with something because I literally like, I didn't have enough money when I was younger to buy a shooting pad or like Mm -hmm. a stick handling pad. So I took a roll of linoleum, cut out a square and sprayed it with furniture polish and it slid just like ice. So
0: that's That's awesome. That's a good trick. Yeah. Any of the kids out there want to try something, (laughs) go for it. Yeah.
1: So you, I know you mentioned when you got to you know early adolescence, you realized that ice could take you somewhere. So can you kind of follow up on on that? And um, for the listeners who don't know, you were invited to the Islanders rookie camp uh, two years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Correct?
0: Yeah, correct. Um, crazy path. Like I started playing junior C slash junior B. A uh, long drive from Long Island. I'm from Patchogue, which is like the middle of Long Island. I was driving all the way to the city. My dad was working a ton. My mom was working a ton. They were driving me all the way to Brooklyn just so I had an opportunity at junior B, junior C. So hours in the car, doing everything, sacrificing so I could play. And that was like the itch that I finally had. Like you have your own locker room, like practices four days a week, two, three games on every weekend. Like that was a real deal, like playing juniors. And I was young at the time. Um, And it was a lot of roller guys that actually got me to, you know, play and take it more serious. And right then and there, like I knew that I I loved it and I was going to work as hard as I can to develop each year. I moved up. And then I got to my 19 year old year. I was playing junior a long Island for PAL uh, Islanders had basically no correlation to the real Islanders. It was just the name and sponsorship and rank. And I was having a good season, but Roller was more my thing, and then and I had like a rough couple months during the season with points and things like that. And like going into twenty year old year, like you know, if you're not gonna get a scholarship, you're not gonna find a team in any division of college. Like I was ready to just move on and play full time roller, like I was already doing, playing pro roller in the summers. I traveled to France, checked out France to see if I would go over there and play roller. Like I was all in on the roller thing, and I mean the story is so crazy, like. I'm skating. I push nets after every practice to the Zamboni guys. Uh, These guys end up becoming like my best friends, like to this day and get invited back to like a staff skate. Um, Just do my thing. Act like myself, you know, be the player that I am. And a couple months go by, everyone starts to know me around the rink. Uh, Didn't really know where I was signing. If I was going to even play ice hockey ever again, end up saying that and then, Someone gets, like, sick. There's, there's, like, one or two spots open. And I got a call to, like, go train at the rink with, like, the real team. Like, the Islanders that are all in town. And I kept up a couple days in a row. Like, met everyone, was doing good. And then legitimately got invited to Prospect Camp in Long Island, which is, like, the biggest honor ever. Like, my dad's yeah. a huge Ranger fan. But, like, I'm an like Islanders, Rangers, doesn't matter. Like, right. I love the players. I watched the players. Um, so I get invited to this camp. I literally left it all out there. Like I was going to that camp thinking like I wasn't even playing again after, um, and what a heck of an experience played really well, scored a goal at Nassau Coliseum in the game, like my whole family's there, like everything after the camp, I have a meeting with Mr. Snow, um. Asked me where I'm playing, if I'm signed anywhere, kind of like just like a quick exit meeting for the guys that were around and, you know, not prospects and things like that. I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. Like probably going to go over to France, play roller hockey. Like, you know, ice hockey was great. Like this is a, this is a fantastic way to yeah. end it and, and, and move on. Like what a blessing. And he was like, oh, I would just keep training. And like when someone like that says that to you, you're like, all right. So then I uh, kept training. Got an opportunity in the BCHL, literally just got a tryout. I mean, that's a far away from Long Island, uh, incredible league. At the time, I didn't know too much. I knew it compared to like USHL, NA, like I knew it was comparable, but I honestly didn't know anything. Uh, Fly out there, get a tryout. Uh, Two preseason games, coach was just totally blunt, honest with me, like, hey, you have to take someone's spot. We're going to play on the top lines or play on the power play. Uh, You're not even one of the oldest guys on the team, but you'll be in the top echelon of it. And probably had the best two games of my life, had the best season of my life. Um, and then Merritt, British Columbia was like the best ice hockey season I could have ever dreamed of. Never even thought that I'd play in a league like that, in a city like that, have experiences like that. And then next year, go back again to Islander camp. Did really well. Long story short, I couldn't get into Division One college because of Clearinghouse, because of uh maybe not having a language and, and certain classes mm-hmm. so road totally turns again end up going to the ECHL playing the SPHL and uh seven years later still grinding out in the minors.
1: That's awesome. That's a great story. What was what was Mr. Snow like?
0: Oh incredible human being. Cool. Guy. So nice so down to earth. I mean at the time uh you know team was was building up. That was like when Barzell was coming in, Del Cole was in the camp, Pulak, Pelich, like all these guys that are household names now. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had, you know, they knew where, where the team was going and what was going on. So he was so nice to me with all the training sessions, you know, actually being around the real team at the time, just taking care of me like at the rink, like those things, like you dream about being in the locker room like that with those guys. And, and making it to the NHL. Right. But just being a part of it to develop and uh, see something behind the doors that you'd never get to see. Like it, it was so much of a blessing from him and the, my friends that, you know, helped me get there along the way that were around the rink that will, will literally be my best friends forever.
2: That's what great. was the, um, what was the playing <clears throat> style in the BCHL? Like, I'm curious.
0: It was so offensive. Um, it's crazy to hear that there's so many good defensemen out of there because there's so many goals scored. So you're like, where are these good defensemen like playing in these teams? But they're all the defensemen are offensive forwards. were like all out offensive, um, still like structured game, but I've watched and learned a lot about the USHL since then and how there's more systems, like more getting ready for college, which like the BCHL is a developmental league for college as well, but they really let you play. Like they wanted to see your personal skill and they didn't put like, um, you know, certain restraints on you as a player. Like they wanted you to be you and we'll work a system around your line and your line and your line, which all the teams I felt like had certain styles, but every line had a different style. Like we had Tyson Jost in the league that year. Okay. Obviously he's unbelievable. So like his line was so dangerous and it wasn't like they were playing a certain system because they were playing so fast and so high tempo. They're D jumped in the rush all the time. So for me, it was, like, the perfect fit, like, jumping into an offensive league after everything I played in ice hockey was so defensive and so structured where, like, roller hockey isn't. So, like, I jumped in this league. It was, like, roller hockey version five-on-five five with offsides. Yeah, and you're like kidding The candy just, shop. <laughs> just go all out. And I had two great linemates. Um, Gavin Gould, he played D1, Michigan Tech. Um, and he's a bit younger than me. And then a kid that was one year younger than me, uh, Diego Kugletter. he played a little bit in the American League since then and in the ECHL. And, like, just us as a line all year, like, once we got the chemistry, they were a little bit faster than me. Like, obviously, always played ice hockey, so great skaters. And, like, just the way that we played was so smooth that, like, other teams were like, oh, my God, like, all these guys can shoot. All of them could skate. All of them could stick handle. So just like a – it was like lethal throughout the year to get used to guys and then play so offensive and like not be hounded, you know, if there was mistakes here and there.
2: Sure. Do you think that sort of like free flowing thing? I mean, you said it was just like perfect for you. I think one of my favorite things about your content is you're constantly talking about involving creativity and, you know, always looking for something new in your game. Do you think that's why that was such a huge success for you that year?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, 100% being creative and and having a way weightier self-development is huge. Like, that's why I'm doing all those things on social media. Like, I want kids to be able to push the envelope, you know, to the next level, to the next level. It was really cool, actually. I, I just, like, was messing around, made up this new backhand, like, pick up one-handed shot. I've been doing it for, like, a month or two, and then, Hey Barber just threw it up on his page, pulled yeah. it off, and, like, doing it. And, like, yeah. I mean, if it's not him posting that, it might be someone else posting it and a kid sending it to me as well. Just like he has a big, big following. And like seeing someone do something that, you know, I'm hopefully elevating the game with anything I make up and any moves. So same thing, like when we were allowed to play that style, it was like, all right, I'm going to use as much creativity as possible, create space for myself, to create space for my line mates. And yeah, I think it just it worked perfect that year in our, in our way of playing and especially our line.
1: So I was going to ask you about Hey Barber. Cause I saw that he, he re, he like said, this one's courtesy of you. And I was like, Oh shit. Like he's going to come on the podcast. That's kind of cool. Um, so like, ha- have you ever talked to Hey, I mean, Hey Barber. I mean, I know I mentioned Robbie shrimp before the, the, uh, we started the interview. Those two guys are what you remind me of in terms of just like the crazy, like lacrosse style shit.
0: Yeah. So like, Robbie Shrimp, I always looked up to. I loved how creative he was when he was playing in the all-star games. And I mean, if you ever check out his stuff, like he actually tried to pull some crazy stuff off in the game. Like,
2: go oh, look at his London Knights highlights. They're nuts. Yeah, yeah, sick.
0: And even after that, he played pro in, in Europe. And on like a three-on-one, <laughs> he comes down, lacrosse out, picks up the puck at like the top of the circle and throws it on net like at top <laughs> speed. I'm like that's the stuff I like. Like I haven't tried that. Like I'm more of like, all right, pull the Michigan every once in a while, like try something right. silly in the shootout, but like mid game on a rush, like I'm, I'm definitely not usually thinking, let me pick it up and chuck it on the net. And he literally almost scores. So, uh, Hey Barber, we've actually met, um, uh, Brandon, uh, Winnipeg. We did a shootout against each other on wheels. It was an absolute blast. We had a, a ton of fun. That was a couple of years back. Uh, we always keep in touch through social media. It's, so funny, like all these guys that I chat with over Instagram, Facebook, uh, anything like that, TikTok now. Uh, it's so crazy because then you see them like a couple months later or a year later and you're like, man, don't you like live down the road from me? Like we see each other stuff every single day. Like you just feel so comfortable. So I think I've only met Brandon two times ever. And the one time we did like a shootout against other, we talked to kids. We were just hanging out in Winnipeg. And uh, yeah, really, really good stuff, what he's doing. I, I love his content as well.
1: This isn't related to that, but when you were talking about the Islanders, it made me think of it. Were you, were you at the, the Game 6 playoff game? I thought I saw you throw up an Insta story. Were you there?
0: I was there. I was there at uh, Game 3 or Game – yeah, I was definitely at Game 6. That was the last game at the Coliseum. So I was definitely at that one. I was at one prior to that in that same series. What a game that was. I was going to ask,
1: what what was that like? Talk about the perfect ending, not necessarily the series, but to to the arena. I mean, what was that like?
0: Oh, it was crazy. I was there multiple times now where I thought that was going to be the last game. Mm -hmm. And every time it hasn't been the last game. So there was one year where they were playing the Capitals. They were already like knew they were going to Barclays everything like that. And I remember it was like rock the barn. They kept saying, and like, I was like, I've never heard this place louder, like ever, like the top is going to blow off this place. Mm. This game six top that. And I'm like, maybe they know it's cause like, they might not come back. Like who knows how the series is going to go. Like this could really be the last game, especially with Belmont almost being done. And craziness, just so loud especially how the game was going. I mean, how good the series was up until that point. Um, the only thing that I didn't love was, I don't know if you guys saw, like, at the end of the game, they're, like, throwing. Yeah, beer. you were
1: chucking Bud Lights, too? Yeah.
0: It was. <laughs> yeah, no. I was I was, <laughs> I was ripping Bud Lights out of a, a guy's hand behind us from throwing the second one on the rink. So yeah. I didn't love that. I think, like, especially if your players are on the rink and they just won a huge game, like, uh, yeah. Cal Clutterbuck was, like, just looking around, like, shaking his head and, like, It's sad. Like, I play pro hockey. I wouldn't want to see my fans, especially after a huge win, like throwing stuff at us. It wasn't like it was just at the other end. It was like at where players still were. So besides that questionable play at the end, like literally the whole game, it was loud, such a good atmosphere, sad that that was the last game. But, I mean, to go out on a win like that and almost seal the deal the next game, like that would have been huge. But it was a cool experience.
1: When I saw you were there, I was like, "That is gotta be something that we talk about because I don't think I've ever heard an arena that loud when when Bevilia buried that." So that was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was it was rocking, rocking.
1: <laughs> um, I do want to touch on your roller co- career just to switch gears a little bit. So uh, you have played uh, for Team USA in the IIHF World Championships. So. I'm kind of curious, how does how do you get like an invite to that? Because I'm not necessarily educated on the whole like rankings of roller hockey leagues. And then secondly, do you find that there are other guys that played at a really high level of ice like you did that also end up going to that roller hockey team?
0: So it's really it's actually hard to explain if you're not in the roller hockey scene at all. So Mm -hmm. how you get recruited and how anyone kind of knows your name in the roller hockey scene, especially in the pro scene. Is you play at three major events every summer, whether it's uh, June or July, there's three major events, and now those events are from 6U all the way up to the pros with 35 and over divisions, you know, junior divisions, 18 under, everything. And those three events, their pro side is cash prize for the winner, and it's called Narch is one of them, Tours is another one, and State Wars is right now the biggest. So you play in those three events. Uh, Usually there's 10 to 12 pro teams. You enter your team in. Uh, Most times it's like basically an invite type thing. Like most teams couldn't just like enter their team into pro. Mm -hmm. Um, If you go to one, two, three events, if not, most of the time the games are streamed. All the stats are taken, everything like that. So like if you're, I've been playing luckily, since I turned 17 had like my first opportunity in the pro division. And then I've only played in two different pro teams basically till right now. So it was a team back in the day called next generation. And then I ended up like coming home and playing with more local guys from New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And now we're called the unified black ice. So we've been playing in these circuits where you get seen and recruited. um, The owner of, the biggest tournament is actually one of the coaches on team USA. So they're watching and monitoring everything. Our assistant coach is like, uh, his name's Greg Thompson. He's one of the best defensemen to ever play for team USA Um, top five, like all time roller hockey players. He's the assistant coach. He runs that event. He still plays in that pro event, even though he coaches USA. So it's like, guys are always watching. And then, I was lucky enough where back in the day, there used to be a tryout to make the team. So you get invited to tryouts, you go to Colorado, you have like literally the best roller hockey game in the whole universe to ever like be played because you have the best guys there for a week, just going at it against each other, trying to make the team. And those years that I got invited there, I ended up not making it, but I think it helped me in the future when then I was available again, whether it was because of Islander camp one year, I couldn't go to camp. And then they just started picking the team out of like how you're playing at the tournaments and and who's kind of on that level to be on the world team from the tournament. So luckily 2017 was like my first look at it and really making it going over there. And and the experience was crazy, but especially IHF, that was the last ever IHF roller tournament. They actually shut it down after that year. So to experience Hmm. that, like you watch the men's IHF or world juniors all of those like this was the same exact setup for inline it was insane it was awesome
2: i remember watching some of the footage of that game and those were some nasty games like i remember like watching some highlights i think you guys ended up beating someone like eight to two or something like that and literally like guys are scoring goals and turn around just punching opponents like square across the face
0: yeah it was crazy that was my my first ever goal we're playing in slovakia i scored my first ever usa goal against slovakia didn't even celebrate this guy like slashing me like a baseball bat because like it was probably like the fifth goal of the game or something so he was just mad and i was like what was that like usually like you i didn't even know what he was saying but obviously he was pissed and he's like swinging his stick like a baseball bat at me and i was like i just scored my first goal like, i'm not really worried about you but like right. that was crazy like when i watched the highlights back and it's always more physical at those tournaments like usually roller hockey, especially in a rec league, like there's not a lot of checking, mm-hmm. but in these, like if you're on the bards and you really rub someone out or you like get a hold of them, it's kind of like fair game. Cause they want to see the game played yeah. instead of like power plays, power plays, power plays yeah. at the world stage. So, I mean, it never gets like too, too out of hand, but it definitely is more physical than most uh, would think of roller hockey.
1: Yeah. it's. I was going to ask like, you know, with Nick just saying that as far as the contact goes, I mean, you guys aren't wearing shoulders pads when I see the highlights. So are you, it, it's basically just kind of like, oh, like, you know, bump and grind on the on the walls, you know, rub outs here or there. But there's no, like, open ice checking or anything, right?
0: No. Yeah, correct. Yeah. No open ice checking. I always say, that, like, anything on the board goes. Yeah. Because I've seen some, like, actual hits on the walls that have not been called over many years of playing in the pro division. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen, like, some of the best defensemen in roller hockey – just angling really, really well. And then it's, like, almost a big hit on the boards. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. never open ice. That's an absolute penalty every time. Um, interference would be called even then also if they're stepping up, like, trying to get in your way and not, like, also taking you out. Um, but around the boards, like, behind the net, it's a physical game. Like, a lot of people don't yeah. don't really see that or know that, but it's physical. Like, I wear not, like, a girdle that you'd wear on the ice, but I wear, like, yeah. hip. You know, like that area, because I get hit every tournament pretty good, like once or twice against the boards where if I didn't have padding there, you know, my hips would be destroyed.
1: No, I know what you're talking about. It's like a it's like a mini girdle kind of. almost. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh, I do want to ask you, um, just because you seem like you're kind of an expert in both fields. Is, is there a difference in your approach to training when it comes to roller versus ice? Are there any tips that you could share with someone who maybe wants to do both? Like, is there, a, is there a difference in how you approach the the training aspect in this?
0: I train really similar to both. Uh, okay. That's just me. I think transitioning back and forth all the time. Um, I just got so comfortable doing it. I think being in good conditioning shape, I feel like on wheels, you need to be able to like, free flow and move your legs a lot more than on the ice where on the ice, like you get a couple really good strides. You could like pump your feet and, you know, swizzle around and still gain a lot of speed where in roller, you like almost slow down if you're not moving your feet. So there's a lot of drills that I'll do, especially like from ice season to roller season, where it's more like pedaling the whole time, stick handling, using the whole rink. And then I don't know if you guys, when you watch our pro games, it's really like slowed down. Like we set up behind the net a lot. We throw the puck back a lot, but that means, especially me, if I'm stretched in the zone, like I got to fly all the way back behind the net to maybe pick it up and wheel it again all the way up. So I think in ice, like I'm rarely coming down to the hash marks to wind it up and get the puck for a breakout, go end to end and back check. Like that doesn't rarely happen. So in roller, like the skating part in practice, I'm doing a lot more just like, laps or grabbing the puck skating end to end stop at the net come all the way back just because especially in a big tournament like those 45 second shifts you might get stuck out there for a minute 10 and if you've done one or two up and downs especially with the puck like with a little bit of pressure you'll be a little bit more tired so a lot of my training shooting stick handling all the drills two-on-ones all that stuff like my vision everything's the same you know ice skates roller skates but I would just say like the skating portion of it the actual skating part of it is the little bit different.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, now that you mention it, that does kind of make sense. Um, I'm gonna nerd out here for a second just because that's how <laughs> I am. So obviously practice makes perfect, but you being the stick handling guru you are, is there like uh is there like any like pattern of your curve that you kind of like say hey if you want to try to do like these crazy stick handling moves like you need a fish hook or you need a straight blade is there like a different type of flex you got when when you're you know you know he's just using this like as a personal yeah. chance to like get your training I'm a huge, I love free right i'm a huge stick that. nerd i'm a huge <laughs> stick nerd i apologize
0: well i have my girl here and she was listening in the beginning of this she didn't hear that question but when i answer, she's gonna laugh <laughs> i mess with my stick like no one else and she's the first one to always tell me "It ain't the stick like don't worry about what stick you're using you shoot with it all the same doesn't like i don't even know what you're talking about flex like the height of it whatever you use seems to usually work so it ain't the stick so i truly have believed for a long time especially with the kids i'm training though to learn with a straight blade is huge like if you can shoot a puck But I'm talking like a Modano, like a PM9, like Mm -hmm. old school straight blade. That's what I used until I was 16 years old. I didn't change Uh my blade at all. It's like using a two by four. It's crazy. And now (laughs) I know, like now my curve has changed the past six years in a row. But it's tweaking that like lie. It's tweaking that part of the blade. But I always say if you could stick in with that and you could do like a Matthew's pull into your feet shot with one of those. Well, then when you load it with a SACIC or a P92 or now even the P28, if you learned it with no curve, then when you get it in the pocket of one of those curves, you're going to absolutely zing it on that. So right. I still try to promote that, like stick handle with the straighter curves, you know, shoot a lot of pucks with that, like have your techniques down because a lot of kids, all they want to do is raise the puck. And, and now if we're talking about yourself, like, if you shoot really, really good with a P28, the biggest curve you could buy right now, how is your stick hailing? How is your backhand? You know, right. are you only good on your forehand, stick hailing on the, you know, on your right side if you're a righty? Like, you mm-hmm. can't really take it good to the other side or, like, you can't pull it anywhere else, shoot it anywhere else besides the pocket. Like, it really comes down to, like, getting extra nerdy here. Like, you have a certain style of player, whether it's roller or ice, and you have the wrong stick, it's – yeah hurting you a trillion percent and from mm-hmm. flex from kick point huge part on the curve and the lie i believe the lie is huge if you have a certain height stick and there's only a portion of the blade on the ground like i use a lie that at my height the whole blade is touching the ice like whether i lean yeah. upward or downward reaching for a puck like there's burn mark across the whole bottom of my blade
1: yeah
0: if that, if that makes you know because no, most people's is just the
1: heel yeah,
0: exactly. Because we exactly.
1: had um, we had Luke Gazdick on like three weeks ago. And when he he played with Ryan O'Reilly and juniors and he we were talking about his curve. I, I, I'm not sure if you've seen the picture. It's uh-huh. incredibly effed up. So weird. Uh, but he said in practice he tried using it and it was foreign to him because the whole blade down to like the last millimeter of the toe was touching the ice the entire time. Crazy, right? He was he was like, I don't know how people do that. Yeah, so it's it's just weird. just
0: with practice and preference, and I stick handle. No exaggeration, every single day for a minimum of an hour. Yeah. So my whole life of doing that, I've stick handle with every curve under the sun. i have mm-hmm. stick handle with every lie under the sun, and everyone's like, "How do you get, you know, hands like that? How do you know what curve you like best?" And I'm like, "It's kind of whatever I'm comfortable with at the time, whatever feels the best at the time, because I'm tr- always trying things. I always want to develop." In my way, too. And I used to always tell the kids, like, I know you can shoot it really good with that big curve, but, like, let's just try to have you stick in with the little curves or no curve at all and see how it is. And they always struggle. So, like, that's why I always go back to the basics. Even if I'm using a bigger curve right now, I stick in with the straight one a couple days before the tournament, go back and only shoot pucks and things like that, play games with my real curve. And I feel like the control is like what you're making of it and how you're training with it. But again, if you could rip it with that P 28 or one of those big curves, it's really like how, what are the other things in your game that you could really do well with that big curve, you know, to pick what's right for you. That's, I
2: mean, it's spot on. And like, you know how kids are, I was the same way, you know, growing up in the DC area, you know, I, I wanted to be Ovi. I wanted the, you know, the CCM curve with a fish hook at the end of it and the yellow laces and stuff. So, uh, do you use, like, more of, like, a squared toe? Did I see that correctly, or is it?
0: My, my toe right now is pretty round. Okay. Um, I, I did one season, uh, actually, when we won the championship in the SPHL, I ran out of sticks. <laughs> crazy. Oh, wow. Like, crazy to run out of sticks in the playoffs. And there was two other curves. One was that big peak 28, and the other one was, like, uh, I call it, like, the Lindstrom. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, and there was like six of those. And I was like, okay, like, I really don't want to use that other curve. Like, Patty Kane uses this curve. Like, other guys use this curve. Let me just try it. A couple of my roller buddies, really good roller buddies use it and love it. So, I was like, all right. Ended up playing the whole playoffs with that series. The second that season was over, I never touched that curve again. But (laughs) I got through with it. Square The square toe was definitely different. But I've been like a round toe guy my whole life.
1: Who, um, who are some of your favorite players that you watch in the NHL today that, you know, whether it be their hands or just buddies that, you know, you, you've met over the years, are there any guys that you root for specifically? Because I know you mentioned at the start, your dad was a Rangers fan, but then you said, I root, for the, I root for the players.
0: Yeah, definitely the players. I always say that, like, I guess growing up, I was, you know, a Ranger fan with my dad because that's who we're watching. It's obviously New York City team, um, but it was, it's definitely always the players like Sidney Crosby is my favorite player forever whether it's watching him how he shoots you know how how he tapes his stick is like honestly how i tape my blade same type of way so like growing up it was him a lot watching all of his highlights things like that and then as the games evolved like Datsuk was right there with crosby for being my you know second favorite or top favorites and now watching guys like mcdavid and dry Seidel, and then watching Barzell is one of my favorites, and obviously getting to skate with him and and watch him be around in my camp, be around him after camp, like watching those guys are, are unbelievable. Then on top of that, I got the chance to skate with Tavares uh, once or twice, mm-hmm. and like another guy that I compare him more to like Crosby than Barzell, yeah. right? Like the the style and how they play, but yep. being around those guys and seeing how they play, like, those are were like my favorite players. And then as I got older being on the ice with them. Like I watch the games now. And like, I'm literally just looking for the guys that I've trained with, like guys that I've skated with guys that I know, like in Minnesota here last summer, we were skating with the list is absolutely incredible. Like the fact that I got to be around these guys and train with them. And um, one of the guys is Teddy Bluger. We're like,
1: I I watch Crosby.
0: I watch Crosby all the time. And I met Teddy last summer. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you, how hard of a worker he is. Like, I'm around so many hockey guys, and and most, like, put in the work. Like, there's not a guy that I could, like, think of off the top of my head. Like, man, he was a lazy guy. shouldn't be in the NHL. Like, to me, I've never met that guy. Right. But Teddy Bluger, like, put in absolute shifts at the rink. I love He's him. an absolute monster off the ice. Yeah. And for the average, like, maybe hockey fan, like, you might not even know him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know him because I was watching Penguins. I was watching Sid Malkin. And, like, he was always in the mix. And, like, the way he trained, the way he practiced faceoffs, the way he thought the game in the summer, mm-hmm. I was like, man, like, I can't wait to watch him next season, all season. He I loved watching Popped them. off. Like, popped yeah. off. Had a great year. So, super cool. And, and I love all the pro guys, all the NHL guys, all the American League guys, like, literally any league. I try to keep up with all the guys I get the opportunity to skate with. But growing up, for sure, like, 1-2, Crosby, Datsu, all day long.
1: Yeah, I can I can vibe with that. I'm a huge Pens fan, so uh, Nick's a Caps fan. That's why he was drinking his Yingling white when you said that. But uh. I, I don't drink Yingling. I'm not from <laughs>
2: Pennsylvania.
1: So, uh, who,
2: in your opinion, you know, you said uh, Crosby and Datsuk were your favorite players growing up. Who's the best stick handler? Do you think you've ever seen? Jeez,
0: ever seen? So hard to say. It could even be like some roller guys too. Yeah, I think in the NHL right now you look at some of the best players and I mean, Patty Kane always comes up first. Like I've never skated with him. Everyone that skates with him says it. Um, what you see him doing games is insane. And like, even like Matthews doesn't like put on a show all the time. Cause he's got such an incredible shot, but when he dangles too, it's like, Oh my yeah. God, this guy's hands. So yeah. I, I'm, I couldn't put my finger on the best stick handler, because I think there's so many good ones and so many that I like watching, but like, we got to watch out for this kid Caulfield too. Like, Oh man, I was going to say, an absolute clinic.
2: it could be one of these like 18, 19 year olds. I'd put Zigris in there too. I mean, the yes, stuff that he I does agree. is unreal.
0: I absolutely agree with Zegras, another young stud that's coming up and some of the stuff he did in the American league this year is ridiculous. Like he's yeah. doing the things that I'm doing like for fun at practice, putting it on Instagram, you know, he's right. pulling it off in the American league, like, which is sick. Mm-hmm. um yeah I think all these guys I mean so many guys in the roller world too like uh John Seamer he played pro ice played D one do college um Junior Cadiz another guy that played on the world team with me uh Matt White he's absolutely one of my favorites has a sick shot sick hands like the list in roller too like if anyone saw these guys I know it's not in the NHL but if they're in the American League and like there was highlights like these guys that I'm naming could easily be on it just the roller right. versions and ice versions um but where the game is going with the young kids seeing that they could pull this stuff off like a Zegris and i honestly say like i started pro 7 years ago so like i couldn't even try that stuff then you know what i mean like your head would be chopped mm-hmm. off you get chased Oh you get chased down like yeah i remember doing fun goals in islander camp and like there was guys that reacted and were like happy and like that was sick that's going to blow up whatever And, like, there was guys that were pissed, you know what I mean? Like, that I did that. Like, And I I don't even know maybe the background, but, like, I'm sure there was coaches that still to this day were like, man, these guys that are doing that stuff is changing the game. Maybe not how we want it. You know, like, we don't want that stuff. Like, now you got Forsberg pulling off the Michigan. You have uh, uh, Carolina Sveshnikov. Sorry, I couldn't pronounce it. But Sveshnikov pulling it off, like, easily. Mm -hmm. Easily pulling it off. So, I love it. I think if you can do it and you could score, like if I'm behind the net in overtime and I have a chance to pull that goal off to win the game, I'm pulling it hundred percent of the time because it's high percentage. And in my eyes, it's realistic. And people are like, Oh, do it in a game. Oh, try those moves. Like not in your driveway. And I'm like, man, if you're watching the NHL, like they're doing it I'm like, ah, yeah. yeah. sorry, I'm not in the NHL right now. Like not the one doing it. And I could do it everywhere else, but like guys are doing it and it's lethal. Yeah,
2: that's, I think that's always been sort of like a hockey culture thing, especially for, you know, guys that are like, you know, I was born in 94 too. So like guys that are our age and, you know, a little bit younger, a little bit older, it was, you know, 200 feet North South, get it in, get it deep, get off, you know, that kind of stuff, or at least for me. Uh, And then, you know, now it's, I think we're starting to see a little bit more of the creativity come into the game where, you know, coaches and guys are seeing like, Hey, you know, this is just the way the game is going. And it seems like it's really, you know, a change for the positive. Have you noticed that as well?
0: Yeah, 100%. Definitely change for the positive. I mean, uh, I talked to Chris Versteeg a lot. Uh, We became pretty good buddies. And listening to how he talks about the game is, like, what I dream of the game. Like, the way he played and, like, through sauce and, like, his nasty hands. Like, if he played a little bit sooner to what it is now, he'd be at the Mm -hmm. top, top. And he was already at the top. He was legit on the Blackhawks. He of you know, a legit NHL star. Two-time
2: cup champion right
0: oh yeah oh yeah yeah. and like the way his hands and the way he thought the game was literally futuristic that's the same thing with robbie shrimp sadly he wasn't in the nhl long enough but like his highlights that when he were in the nhl or when he was in the nhl were ridiculous it was it was the future of what we're seeing guys do literally eight years later six years later yeah so i love i love where the game's going i love the creativity i think The more uh, leash that guys get, the more creative they're going to be, the less scared they're going to be that someone's going to take their head off or coach is going to bench them. You know what I mean? Like you had Mm -hmm. Svechnikov, I think, like, missed three Michigans before he scored one. And like, guys were like, he's not going to do this. He's not going to do this. I'm like, the first time he tried it, I'm like, he's going to try it every game now. Like, (laughs) until he gets this. He's doing it because or, when you have that in your head, hundred percent, you're getting
2: it. Right. Or more importantly, someone's going to be puck watching behind the net now. And someone else is going to be open.
0: hundred percent. hundred percent.
1: It's funny. You mentioned Versteeg. Steve, I'm hoping we're going to get him on here. We've tried to be in yeah, contact. We, actually, we reached out to him the other day. <laughs> we're working on it. It's getting there. But um, last question I have for you, cause I know, I know it's getting late and we're, we're keeping you along a little bit, but um, what's next? I mean, you seem like a guy who's constantly pushing it. What's what do you have uh, next coming up?
0: Grinding away, summer's almost over. It's crazy how fast the summer went with know, uh, right? things Things more opened up. So uh, this weekend, we're in St. Louis for State Wars, the pro event. So the last pro roller tournament of the summer, which is exciting. Um, came up a little short in the two other ones. We got second place in both pro tournaments, Tours and Arch. So hopefully at this one, we could uh, bring some gold home, some cash. But uh, that starts Friday. And then Saturday, Sundays the playoffs and championships stuff. So that's in, in St. Louis, which is a great place to be. Good city for roller. They convert uh, the ice rink. I think there's three ice sheets. They convert them all the tiled rinks. Beautiful setup. And then besides that, just training on the ice, training in the gym, locking in for next season to, uh, you know, wherever I end up. Uh, protected by Huntsville and the SPHL again. So. That's always good to be protected. Place I know, place I've played. Um, mm-hmm. I'll definitely be playing pro ice next season, that's for sure. But uh, focused on getting through this tournament, coming out with a big win, hopefully for Unify Black Ice, and uh, hopefully you guys follow along.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm loving all the game recaps on YouTube, and um, you know, if if, if if you're staying in Huntsville, maybe that's something we can come see. You know, when things definitely. are open and fans are allowed. Yeah. So. Keep it up, man. You're 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 doing great. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm just a 24 year old kid who's got a nine to five, but I've been playing roller after work because I saw started seeing your stuff. I was like, all right, I need to get back into it, and uh, it's it's fun. It's great, and I, I love your content. So keep it up. Yeah, thank you. Best of luck, yeah. man. Go kill it.
0: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And and honestly, I would love to come down there. So we have a I have a clothing line called Goodwood Hockey. I'd mm-hmm. love for you guys to check it out. Goodwood Hockey. Absolutely. And uh, we started a nonprofit called Hockey for Good. So we okay. actually go to, not that your market is untraditional, but we've been to untraditional it's hockey untraditional. markets. Yeah. And it we, is. Well, it was we, when
2: we were there. So that's what we,
0: mattered. You don't have to bullshit with us. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we bring our camp anywhere, mostly yeah. untraditional hockey markets, and we donate equipment to all the local kids. I mean, even if okay. adults wanted to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd love to connect you know obviously grow sure. where you guys are grow my brand Bring stuff around and and donating our time back our equipment back and i think that's a huge piece even if some kids come out try hockey for the first time you might never play roller ice pro college but you made a hockey fan for life and that's what right. we're all about just just trying to grow the game
1: no that's awesome yeah it, we'll definitely connect i mean and if there's any way that we can help you you know we'll, we'll do whatever we can i'm absolutely big, big fan of your brand and uh we'll be looking forward to uh huntsville season coming up and i'll be following along for this weekend how big's the uh pot by the way if you don't mind me asking? 35k how many teammates you got
0: uh usually about 12 10 or 12 it's not bad yeah not bad weekend that'll yeah, cover the bar right? tab <laughs> <laughs> yeah right for the rest of the team yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah all right man well we appreciate it thank you
0: yeah thank you for having me guys <laughs>
1: Big thanks to John
2: for chatting with us, such a nice guy and just so cool to hear his, like his journey, like from playing roller growing up to eventually playing like roller and ice professionally. I mean, I don't know how many other people could say that.
1: Yeah. I fanboyed pretty hard ever since I found his page. (laughs) I I think I told him like three or four times, like, you know, I, I love what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of people that are playing hockey in warm climates that don't have access to ice you know, as, as easily as someone up in mass or, you know, Wisconsin, Canada. So I think what he's doing is awesome. Uh, go check out his Instagram page. Give him a follow. He has a training page as well. If you're into that shows all of his drills, he has a new stick handling tool that just came out the other day. So uh, he's doing great stuff and I think he's going to be a pretty big presence on uh hockey social media. So good luck to him. We appreciate Definitely. it. Yeah.
2: Uh, let's hop into some signings. Uh, the Flyers have been quite busy. They signed forward Derek Broussard to a one-year deal worth $825,000. They signed defenseman Travis Sanheim to a two-year, $9.35 million deal. Uh, just a reminder uh, about what that back end looks like. They traded Gostas, Bear, and Hag while bringing in Ryan Ellis, Rasmus, Ristolainen, and Keith Yandel in separate moves. So that back end is no slouch right now. Uh, that's definitely something to keep your eye on. And they also re-signed their boy Sean Couturier to an eight-year deal with an AAV of seven point seven five million dollars. What do you guys think?
1: I'm really I'm I'm picking up what the Flyers are putting down, and I, I hate to say that out loud, but they they are making some serious noise this offseason, and I like what they're doing. Uh, that like you said, that back end is definitely shoring up. I think they got a little more steady Eddie back there as opposed to the flashiness that you had in Gostisbehere. It's all going to come down to Carter Hart this season.
3: That's-
1: yep, big time. Yeah,
3: they've made a lot of lot of moves. They've totally shaken up their team from what the roster looked like last year, which is interesting because that team, if you remember, started red hot last red year, hot. and everybody was like, "Oh shit, the Flyers are going to like win the division. They're going to be nasty." And then like halfway through the year, they just imploded. Stalked, and a lot of it was because of Carter Hart, honestly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like Harry said, it's gonna come down to him. I love the Broussard signing. I that's a dude that I think is totally worth uh, a one year deal at that price. He's showed that he can, you know, battle for ice time on a lot of different teams. And I like I like that fit in Philadelphia for him. Um the other signings pretty solid. I like the decor shakeup. We've all talked about how, you know, not sure Sean is worth quite that much, but the Flyers are gonna
2: pay him. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, they locked him up long-term, which I think is what they wanted. I don't think they were psyched about the $7.75 million hit. But, you know, down the road, that I think that could actually be a solid deal for them.
1: It, it should be. And I think Flyers, if, if there's Flyers fans listening right now, they're absolutely just fucking cussing at us because everybody screams, he's the most underrated player in the league. You know, he did he win a Selkie? I know he's been nominated a bunch of he's times. He's been nominated. I think I don't think he's won one yet. I would probably fact check that before we uh, okay. end up getting canceled by Flyers fans. But yeah, I, he's, he's been great for them. He brings a great two way presence. I think he's worth about maybe not quite that much, maybe like, you know, 6.87, I'd say. I'm not going to obviously shit on 7.75. The term is great. I think he's only like 28 years old. Oh,
2: he did win one.
1: I was gonna say that's nineteen twenty, yeah. We're not getting canceled today, baby. But yeah, um, yeah flyers, flyers fans love him. They're gonna crucify us for this, but I think it's a good signing. I mean, he's their future. Giroux's kind of dropped off a cliff um, ever since yeah. his prime years, and ever Wojcik's since gone he now. sucks, <laughs> yeah. Ever since he sucks, yeah.
2: Ever since his fans started using the orb of confusion. <laughs>
1: right flyers fans got so mad at us they got that. so mad when we did that <laughs> we shouldn't oh, be too God. mean because if there's anyone out there listening who wants to be a flyers content piece guy for us please contact us i know i put that up but uh, as nobody... long as
2: they're not actually from
1: philly i think we can swing that yeah and nobody's gonna want to do it now so Props to the Flyers. They'll probably be good this year. The Pens will miss the playoffs. So yeah, I'm doing great.
2: (laughs) Uh, Moving on to another dangerous team in the Metro, the New York Islanders. They locked up Kyle Palmieri, four years, 5 million. And Ilya Sorokin, three years, 4 million.
1: Those are per obviously, but yes. Yes.
2: Uh, Moving on down the list to yet another dangerous team in the Metro, uh, because (laughs) this is how life works now. The Hurricanes reached an eight-year, $62 million deal with Andrei Svechnikov. I think everyone was sort of wondering what this was going to look like and when they were going to announce it, but now we know. So he's staying put in Carolina, and I think that's
1: probably – Biggest contract in Hurricanes history, fun fact. Yep, track. it
2: is. Um, so it's it's the exact same as Couturier's uh, in terms of total sure. amount and, and uh,
1: term length, so – I think it's fair, especially since he's so young. I think he's 21 or 22 years old. So um, he's obviously not even in his prime yet, and he's been a beast for them so far. So good for them. I'm glad that they, they got their guy. He's definitely – I mean, I know you guys obviously are going to be like, oh, but Ovi beat the shit out of him. And it's like, yeah, we know. I wasn't even going to bring that up, but if you yeah, want but to talk saw, about it, we can. I saw the faces on every – Matt can't hold himself back when it comes to the hurricane. <laughs> I mean, he has, he has yeah, to fire off.
3: It was funny, that's for sure. But. Yeah.
1: I saw Mac's face. I was like, something's
3: coming. (laughs) I'll leave it be. I'll leave it be. (laughs) Uh,
2: The Minnesota Wild also signed defenseman Jordy Ben to a one-year deal worth $900,000. So
3: Yeah, okay. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: The more uh, interesting information about the Wild is obviously going to be around Kirill Kaprizov. They are expecting a deal to be done shortly, and it was reported last week that this whole – him going to Russia thing was just smoke and mirrors, like we all thought it was. So, um, that comes from Michael Russo at the Athletic. And hopefully, we should hear something about a deal soon. I saw it was like five years, I think was like the term limit. I forget what they were saying in terms of price, but uh, yeah,
1: should be done soon. It was five years. You're okay. right. It would be like a five by nine deal, something like that. Okay. So, I mean, it- What are you going to say? No, you're the wild.
2: You just have to pay him at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's basically that he has, he has the upper hand. So um, I think he's calling the shots at this point, but definitely uh, that's about it for news. Mac, I think you have a a message for our fans.
3: Yeah, that's pretty much it. But just before we go, we want to uh, remind you guys that if you haven't heard by now, we have partnered with Craig and Courtney Lachlan to raise money for the Lachlan Family Foundation. Lachlan Family Foundation was established to advance the research and care surrounding rare forms of cancer. To raise support for this great cause, we have learned, sorry, we have teamed up with Craig and Courtney to create the Wowie Kazowie Bundle. You get a limited edition shirt and a koozie, while all the proceeds go to a great cause. Uh, Go ahead and head to EmptyBetters.com to check out our store and pick one of those up today. Uh, as we mentioned before, we'll see some of you guys at the golf tournament, hopefully, and we'll also be slinging those bundles there. So, um,
2: get them while they're hot. And, uh, like I said, support a great cause too. still waiting
1: on approval for the
2: t-shirt cannon. So, um,
1: <laughs> wait a second, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're on to something. Yeah. Um, great, great episode, boys. It's been a little bit since we talked, you know, it's September now. So that means training camp. And preseason is right around the corner. We're going to be getting fired up here again real shortly. Uh, about month, one month, one month and two weeks until the It's season. like
2: we're about to hit that sweet spot in sports that's yeah. just the best. Yeah, you got yes.
3: baseball playoffs right on the horizon. You got start of NHL season right on the horizon. Start of NFL season is like yep, so soon. Is it? It's not tomorrow,
1: is it? Start of the NFL season? No, a I week, from tomorrow. X it's X a week from tomorrow. It's right. a week from tomorrow. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought.
2: And I'm so glad they picked like such an exciting game. It's the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Oh my God, I'm so excited! I can't oh. wait. All right, wait oh. a second. Come on now. It is that's, if that's kind of if they give one. the Dallas Cowboys any more airtime, I think I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> this ha- they have <laughs> not so fielded a competent yeah. football team since I have like had two feet on the ground. <laughs> I think I'm
1: it, like it's, it's so bad, but listen, listen, if Dak is playing, which I don't know, they keep footing around with that. I don't really know what's going with what the latest is if he's playing, I would, I listen, I don't really care for the Cowboys, but I do like Dak Prescott. I think he's a good guy. He seems I think like he's a, a good guy. I'd rather watch
2: I think he's a, a good handful of other
1: quarterbacks before I would get to him, but no, I know, but come on. I mean, you, you want to watch, well, I guess unless you hit, you hate Brady, right? Obviously. So I don't
2: hate him anymore. You know, I hated him when I was younger. Now you, you know, do is he my favorite person? No, but I respect him.
1: I do. I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to see the Cowboys hopefully lose. Um, I know I'm going to get grilled by a couple of people listening for that, but. I think it's a good matchup. I know you're saying you don't want to watch. It's two teams you probably hate. There's defending Super Bowl champs versus quote-unquote America's team. Well, it's, so. like,
2: it's like Duke basketball. You either tune in to watch them win or you tune in to watch them lose. But either way, you're still watching.
3: Right. I'm yeah. excited in general for the season. I'm also doing a fantasy football league for the first time in a very long time. So we'll see how quickly some shit hits that. the fan there.
2: <laughs> uh, Who's your quarterback?
3: Lamar. Let's go. You're fine. Yeah, don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's huge. But the other thing I'm, I'm even more excited for is the Survivor Pool that I do every, every night. Nice. Those things are just so fun. So uh, easy. Yes. Just pick one team to win. And it sounds easy, but I mean, not, not easy at all.
1: We need to do like some like NFL segment during the season, like weekend picks or something. I don't know. If anyone out there is listening and you like the idea, shoot us a DM. Three way Sunday parlay. Uh,
3: maybe I can come up with some sort of like survivor pool adjacent type of game we could we could get going for the nhl too or something like that i can can, i'm usually pretty creative with those kinds of like little betting pools so like do it on
2: a week-to-week thing
3: right something like that like somebody to get a win this week or uh i don't know i'll think i'll think on that one okay anyway
1: Um, before we before we end i know we're running long, mac what's the latest against the uh oh what the fuck is their name the beer fans. barons
3: the beer yeah. barons the beer barons unfortunately eliminated us i was not at the game because i was coaching hockey camp in maryland but i got word from our team that it was another ugly one didn't get any nine details score. i don't know i don't know any details about that because i haven't seen any of the guys since then but our fall season starts up in literally like two weeks so Stay tuned. I'll get the I'll get the scoop on how everything ended with that, and if they ended up going on to win the whole thing after that or not. Because I think that was the semifinal that we got bounced in, but nice. it was a good season. And um, one other thing, I will just say, everybody keep your ears and eyes peeled for details on a fantasy hockey league coming very soon. So yep,
2: we're gonna run that back again this year. Um, put a boat on the water last year. I'd like to put a second one out there. So we'll see if I can do it again. Tried and funded, baby. Yeah nice (laughs) is that it anyone got anything else
1: i thought you were gonna say something but i'm good
2: nope mac took the words right out of my mouth i was gonna say keep an eye out for the fantasy hockey league we definitely want to do that again so should be some fun
1: i don't know the next time we're recording we've been doing an every other week thing in the off season just you know we're working on some things behind the scenes believe me um you know at the pace we're going it sounds like maybe the next time we record will be after the golf tournament so we'll have some solid uh content interviews sound bites whatever you want to call it so and a nascar race god help us so yeah all good in the eb world thank you everybody for listening we appreciate the love and support as always and without further ado
2: class dismissed